Wow, good to see you again tonight. Thank you for coming out on Monday night to church. It's a good night to be at church. Jesus may come back, and that'll be a good place to be when the Lord comes back. Amen? So we thank you for coming out tonight. We saw a beautiful rainbow today. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. In fact, it was a double rainbow at one time. It was amazing, and uh, it's one of the most beautiful, complete rainbows I've ever seen. Guess what? God's still keeping his promise. He's still keeping his promise. We can trust him. Tonight, as we look in the Old Testament, we'll be looking at Hosea and Hosea chapter 10 in particular, one of the minor prophets they call them. And uh, of course, the reason they call them minor prophets is not because their prophecy is minor, uh, because it's the length of the prophecy itself. It's considered smaller, so they're not considered the major prophets, but the minor prophets. So tonight, uh, we look in Hosea chapter 10 as we consider the subject, planting for revival. Let's begin in prayer. Father, as we bow before you tonight, we have come. We have gathered according to your drawing us here. And we've come to this place tonight, Lord God, to hear from you. Lord, we know that we need to hear from you. We know we must hear from you. And we know the church needs you to speak to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for all, Lord, that have come out tonight, Lord, that that they made the decision to, to come tonight. And thank you, Father, for allowing us to get, have a travel mercy safety to be here. And Lord, we pray for those that are not able to be here, those that are providentially hindered, Father. We pray for them and lift them up to you. And we pray, Father, you would help them through the struggles and the issues that they're going through, Lord, in their life. And uh, as we've been here in this congregation, we, we see there are many, many, many needs just as there are in our church at home. Uh, of people that are going through struggles and difficulties. So, Father, we lift them up. We pray that your Holy Spirit would touch them, Lord, and that they would sense your presence tonight. They would sense your healing and your peace and your comfort to whatever may be troubling them tonight. And, Father, we pray tonight that you would just draw us around your word, keep us focused on what the, what the word says to us, Father. And we just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to our heart that truly, Lord, you would rain down on us tonight. And Lord, all glory and honor are to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, we find as the New King James Version, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. We cannot turn over a new leaf until we tear out the old one. Uh, my wife has taught me about our plants on the front porch of our house that I uh, always wondered every time it seemed like it had just gotten a nice bloom out there and the bloom was out there for a while, she'd go pick it off. I was like, why are you taking all the blooms off? And I finally learned after a while that once the bloom starts to fade, if you don't take it off, the new ones will be restricted in coming. And she's always right because there's always new ones that pop out. So we have to take off the old before the new will come. This message from the Word of God comes with a warning. It's going to either make you better or bitter. We're going to do do a little bit deep diving into our heart, and it may even be a little bit uncomfortable. It may be painful. And we're going to uh, down to the area of our heart where we tend to hide from one another. Nobody really knows this going on in my life. Nobody really knows what's, what's really going on in my heart in my relationship with the Lord. It's kind of like the area 51 of our soul. The part we do not disturb the follow ground. The message of Hosea centers around the divine love of God for a people who prostituted themselves after false gods. God's faithfulness is contrasted uh, with the unfaithfulness of the children of Israel in the prophecy. The message is startling and astonishing. How could a people who were given so much choose to follow gods of sticks and stones? How could they become adulterous, idolatrous, and even stiff-necked towards the God that had called them the chosen people? How can we who have been born again, who have received the special covenant love of God, God is the one that drew us by His grace for salvation, and have been given the right, as we mentioned earlier in the sermon, to be called the children of God. How can we become hardened in our walk with God? In the prophecy of Hosea, God uses the marriage he gave to Hosea with Gomer, who was the wayward woman, to be a visual picture of the relationship between unfaithful Israel and faithful God. 
The unfaithful Israel was represented by Gomer. The faithful God was represented by Hosea the prophet. And sometimes if you have an opportunity to go back and read all of Hosea and you'll see the, how the prophecy unfolds in warning Israel that they had left God. God is looking for faithfulness of his people through the heart and not the lips. This prophetic warning of impending judgment was given to the ten northern tribes of Israel predominantly. They had followed the ways of King Jeroboam and did evil in the sight of the Lord. In fact, if you look back over the history of the this 19 kings of the northern kingdom, every one of them, the Bible says, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They prostrated themselves before golden cow images and Baal worship. And at the time of the prophecy, Israel in the northern kingdom and Judah in the southern kingdom were experiencing actually a time of material prosperity. It's kind of strange, isn't it? They were being prosperous. Their prosperity was pouring out of them in that region. The principal means of this economic growth was political in nature. Syria was in decline, and Israel was once again able to control the ancient caravan trading routes. This stimulated the economy of Israel. This new prosperity brought with it a, a desire for luxury items. Now that I've got more money, I can buy more luxury items. Wealthy merchants built noble homes. Imports were pouring into the nation. There was no such thing as a middle class. So there came to be a greater divide between the haves and the have-nights, between the rich and the poor. And pagan religion began to pour in with the wares. In other words, the, the things they were bringing into the, into the nation also brought with it the pagan religions. And when God wanes from the people, so does morality. Many evil practices began. The seduction of sin crept over the people like a nauseous gas. And people embraced this new liberty as freedom from the old antiquated ways. We don't have to follow God's ways anymore. We can do it our way. But there was more. Religious syncretism began to take root in the hearts of the people. A little of this faith and a little of that faith, mixing the faiths together. I like this about this faith. I like this about that faith. I like this about this denomination. I like this about this denomination. So they began to mix it all together in a big pot. And by the time the prophets Amos and Hosea came, the people began to worship in mass this way. They began to loosen the theology of God to suit their lifestyle. And the masses of America today are not just turning God off, but they're turning on to embrace immoral syncretism as a chosen and protected way of life. God could have just passed judgment on Israel, but because he is long-suffering, he sent Hosea the prophet to show the people what they were spiritually by having Hosea take Gomer for his wife. Israel had become a faithless wife, and unless she repented and resulted would be devastating judgment. The social evil of the people would be corrected if they repented because all they were doing was making the social evil worse. In other words, they were the creators of the social evil. They were the ones bringing about the evil into their own society. But when Israel found herself in trouble, where did she run? Did she run to God? No. Instead, she ran to Egypt, and she ran to Assyria, the pagan godless nations, asking them to help her and protect her. Where does America run when they're in trouble today? They, work to godless, they run to godless people with godless beliefs and give them the reins of their life. You just fix what's wrong, just keep me happy and prosperous and make sure there's plenty of money in my wallet, and I really don't care what else you do. The prophecy of Hosea is the love of God reaching out to his wayward children to draw them back in repentance before he has to bring judgment. This illustrated when God told Hosea to go back and buy his wife. You know, his wife, remember, she ended up on the auction block to be sold. And, and he tells Gomer, hey, Hosea, go back and buy Gomer off the auction block. Go buy her back. Can you imagine that? Your wife is on the auction block being auctioned off to the highest bidder for whatever they want. And she's your wife, and you got, I'll, I'll, I, and he takes everything he has. Gomer take, he, Hosea takes everything he has, and he lays it out to buy her back. And guess what? She was just as unfaithful as she was before. The other day I read an article where a secular person claimed it is better to raise your children in a secular worldview than a religious worldview. 
the Los Angeles Times had an article where a person claimed, gone are the days of the unyielding, God-fearing mother as the archetype of good parenting. There's a new movement birthing today, being a Christian without God. And one mother proudly said, my daughter heard the word sin the other day and asked me what in the world does that mean because she had never heard it before. She said, I'm so glad she doesn't know that. I teach her just treat people nice with equality and take care of the earth. Don't worry about sin. These are the worldviews of the day. But the purpose of this message is not about the pagan society. We know all about that. Instead, it points back to the people of God. The people of God are the only ones that can be revived. We're the only ones that can be brought back in a right relationship with God. So the title is not planning for revival, because we can't plan for revival. It's planting for revival. We cannot plan for that revival like an event. It requires a personal cultivation. Personal revival comes when we follow the directions of God for revival. And the Lord uses an agrarian concept about planting a field to explain the need of how people need to repent. So how do we plant for revival? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this is what we'll find from the text tonight. The first thing we find if we're going to plant for revival in our individual person, remember revival doesn't come collectively until it comes individually. So if you and I want to see revival in our life, if we want to draw closer to God, have a greater walk with God, if there was a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now, then you need revival. So how does that come about? Well, the first thing we have, we must have the proper seed. The proper seed. It says in the text, look at there. So for yourselves, righteousness, reap in mercy. Everybody is sowing today. Israel was sowing. You and I are sowing every day. And sometimes we say a person living a wavered life is sowing the wild oats. They haven't given up on all that yet. Sow means scatter the seed. Why do we sow seeds? What is the reason farmers plant seed? In the hope of a harvest. Food is a necessity of life, right? And God promised us in Genesis 8:22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. We can never expect a harvest without a seed time, right? If a farmer plants tomatoes, does he expect to get watermelons? If he does, he's crazy. If a person plants sunflower seeds, do they expect to get marigolds? So God tells Israel, if you sow weeds, you're going to harvest weeds. If the nation sows immorality and sin, then the nation is going to harvest immorality and sin. Sin seeds sin. And sin seeds a destructive way of life. America is sowing a lot of sin today. And America is reaping what she has sowed. Hosea 8, 7 says, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it, is, if it should produce, aliens would swallow it up. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. It is an absolute fact. If we sow unrighteousness, we are going to reap unrighteousness. Christians, what are we sowing? Well, we should ask ourselves, what are we reaping? See, God calls us in this text to plant righteousness. If we do, what will we receive? Righteousness, right? If we plant righteousness, God says, we will receive righteousness. Not our righteousness, which the Bible calls nothing but filthy rags, but the righteousness of God through us. And you see, many of our good deeds are wrong motivated, even in what we do. And only God can bring about the righteousness we need. And notice, Israel has told a specific type of seed to sow. And specifically, he says, sow righteousness. Don't sow what you think is right. Sow what is right in the sight of God. Righteousness does not grow wild on the earth. Righteousness is not of this earth. And righteousness is from heaven. It is not natural in our lives to produce righteousness. There are some people who believe they can produce righteousness on their own. They believe they can earn heaven by their actions. But righteousness is not being nice or not littering. (laughs) Righteousness is God's way of life. It's the right way of living. It's sinless perfection. How many of us can say we're sinlessly perfect? Only by the blood of Jesus, but other than that, how can we say we're sinlessly perfect? 
In the New Testament, born-again Christians are told in 1 Peter chapter 1, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. God is calling us to an intention, intentional, purposeful choice to choose to live by righteousness. So where do we find these seeds of righteousness to sow? Well, the only place I can find righteousness on this earth is in the Word of God. The only way to find the, the right way to live and the what is right and what is wrong is by God's Word. So righteousness comes by the Word of God. So that's where we find the seed. That's how we find out what we should be doing and who we should be. God alone is righteous, and He has given us His Word so that we can understand what is right. Romans 1, 16, 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Look at this. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Has righteousness departed from the earth? Is righteousness an impossible standard to pursue today? Therefore, we should just change the definition of righteousness so that it suits us. You know, the fall in the Garden of Eden, it did not remove the righteousness of God, did it? Nor did it change the righteous purpose of God. You see, sowing is choosing a path for your life and then following that path. You know, you and I can follow just as easy as we follow wrong. We can follow right. And notice the command is given to you and to me. He says, you sow righteousness. Now some will say, oh no, I don't have to do anything. I'm saved by God's grace and he's going to do it all through me. Really? Well, the Bible reveals very clearly that I am accountable to walk under the grace God's given me. I am the one disposed to sow. You sow. He told Israel, you sow what is right. Sowing righteousness is seeking to live God's standard and maintain God's order in His creation, being what we were created or recreated to be. So what will we reap if we sow righteousness? Well, eventually, eternal life. Not because we earned it through our righteousness, because we're following Jesus Christ. He says, you just keep on following me. I know know the rest of the world may not be following me. Everybody else may be doing their own thing. You just keep following me. And the end, you'll be with me. Israel had already sinned against God and was still sinning against God. But God said, if you repent and sow righteousness, Although you are guilty of everything you've done, I will give you mercy. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful verse there? I'll give you mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is something we don't deserve. It's just the opposite of what God should do. It's given us what we cannot earn or deserve, but God, at His mercy, He says, you follow me and I'll give you mercy. I'll forgive your sin and I'll restore you. Far as I've been in this world and what I've seen, there are no perfect people. Only God is perfect. Therefore, no one is saved by merit, but by mercy. And in order to be right with God, we need that right seed. And that right seed of God is the standard of righteousness. So the standard of the church must be the standard of righteousness. The church must stand on the Word of God. And it's going to become much more difficult in America to do that. As we're seeing more and more news articles every day about Christians that are standing on the right, that now the FBI is going in their homes and, and handcuffing them and taking them out. In America? Yes. Even today in the news. So folks, we must keep sowing the proper seed even if people aren't interested. Now the second thing we have to have is not only we begin with the proper seed, we begin with the right base in our life, the right truth. The next thing we must have is pliable soil. Pliable soil. He says in the text, break up the fallow ground. Are you a hard-headed person? Anybody ever told you you're hard-headed? My mom used to tell me, you are hard-headed. You ever been hard-headed? Then you're a fallow-head, really, if you're a hard-head. Life tends to make us harder and harder, doesn't it? Stubborner and stubborner. 
cruder and cruder. And we get crusty, nasty, and sharp with the tongue. We're set in our own ways like concrete, and nobody's going to change me. Life can pack your heart like parched earth, and even the Word of God will bounce off of you. But life did not make us hard. We chose that path ourselves. That is why the Lord tells Israel, you sow yourselves to righteousness on your hard, packed heart. Israel was to plow. But the plowing they were supposed to do was doing what God's bidding was. God would hold the reins to the plow. He said, you just open yourself up to me and I'll plow everything in you. I'll plow it. What is follow ground? Unfollowed ground is unplowed ground. Some people have invented uh, follow ground as, as impossible to plant anything to grow there. Hard ground, compacted, impenetrable. I told you when you started this message in particular, it was going to get us a little bit deeper in our hearts. We're, we're going to talk about the followed part of our heart, the part we even keep from God. The part we do not want to change. God, I'll follow you this far and no further. But how can anything grow in unfollowed soil? How can our relationship with God grow if we're followed in our heart? The nation of Israel had made itself unfollowed ground. And the word of God was becoming an offense to them. They hated the prophets for what they were teaching. The word of God, the prophet was hated and they began to take for granted. We're the chosen people of God. Don't talk to us like that. We have the temple of God here. Therefore, we get a pass. They were satisfied. But their actions proved they had become follow hard ground, like trying to sow seed on this stage up here, or even worse, concrete. Do my actions reveal how I've become followed ground in my walk with God? The Lord reminds us if we are not continuing to sow righteousness in our life and in our church and in our community and in our nation, then the result's going to be followed ground. You know why America's getting so hard today and why they, they said in 2001 the, um, the number of people that identified as Christian in America was 90%. In just a recent poll they gave, the number of people identifying as, as Christian in America now is 64%. Evangelical, about 15%. Hard ground. The word has been rejected. You see, we don't have to work to be evil. It's natural for us. But we have to strive to live God's way. And that's foreign to us. So how can a people flourish if we close the word of God and don't apply it to our soul? You have an area of your life you cannot change, right? You have something that you just can't seem to stop that sin. It just seems to keep on haunting you back and forth. I have the same thing. We have, each of us, we have those things that just keep haunting us and we keep finding, why don't I change? Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep acting that way? Why do I keep thinking that way? Well, one thing to help us to deal with that is the Word of God, and this is how it works. Every time, whatever that problem is you're having, go through the Bible and find every Scripture that talks about it. And write it down. And if you can, memorize it. And every time the devil tempts you with that same thing over again, speak the word of God to him. Speak the word of God as truth. This is right. I will not go that way. Choose to do what's right. What's the opposite of follow ground? Well, plowed ground. And what's the opposite of worthless soil? Fertile soil. Jeremiah also used the same analogy of Judah in Jeremiah 4.3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Notice you cannot sow among thorns. Righteousness is not something we add to everything else in our life. Righteousness is a different crop altogether. But before we can plant and hope to have a crop of righteousness, we must get the weeds out of our life. Pulling weeds is a hard job. We talked about a man in our church today uh, at dinner, Roy Jones. Uh, Roy Jones, was uh, he died at age 101. And it wrote, at age 97, one of his things he did in life was pull weeds. You could come, ask him to come to your house and he'd sit on the ground in front of your flower beds and he'd pull out the weeds. People said, why don't you just use um, weed killer or something, you know? And so I went over to see Roy. He was at our house, ne house next door to us one time, and he was over there pulling the weeds at this man's house. Stayed over there all day. 
on 97 years old. I, if I bent down like that, I probably couldn't get up again. And I said, Roy, I said, you know, this is hard work. Isn't there a better way to do it? He says, there's only one way to get rid of weeds. What's that? He said, you got to get the roots out. <laughs> he said, if you don't get the roots out, they're going to grow back again. And the only way to get the roots out, he says, is you got to pull them out one by one. And it's the same thing with your life and mine. If there's things in our life that are not of God, the only way to get them out, you got to get the root of it out. You got to get it changed. You want to have some roots of weeds in our hearts that need to be removed or, or planting righteousness is only going to be choked out with religious activity. See, we limit our plowing, don't we? I told you I was going to meddle tonight. We have some areas of our life we have not yet surrendered to God. And you can always tell, can't you? How many acres have we planted in our life for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we hold out a few acres for ourselves and maybe for some ungodly things also? Matthew 13, 7 says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Do not sow among thorns. What is going to happen if we try to clean up our act without revival? What will happen if we try to follow God and lead the thorns in our soul? We're going to become frustrated, and guess what? We will quit. We will say, I just can't change. I can't do anything either. No, you can't. We can't change. But God through us can change us. And He can lead us in the right way. God calls us to plow it up, disc it up, break up the clods in your heart, make our hearts soft again to God. And plowing is that agrarian society was a hard work. Sometimes it was by human hands, not even having an ox to pull the plow along. Many rocks would be in the way. It would be difficult. And that's why Jesus said, difficult is the way. It is hard People think that Christians are soft and easy and they've got it made and they don't do anything. Being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I know I don't keep myself saved. God is the only one that keeps me saved. But walking the Christian life, that's a hard road to haul. It will be hard for Israel to change her ways because it was in her. It is hard for you and me to admit that we have fallow ground in our life and we need to till up our affections, our thoughts, and our loose tongue. Hebrews 4.12 reminds us, though, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a cern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What a beautiful word right there. What does Hebrews 4.12 tell us? It tells us this is the plow of God. This is God's disc that gets down in the hard parts of your life. This is what will change us and bring us to what God wants us to be. God's righteousness means straight. God cuts it straight. He's not a respecter of person. He tells us like it is. And the good news is after we have proper seed to judge our life and after we play up the fallow ground in our life and our heart is now loose and soft before God and now the righteous seed can soak down in our heart and change us deep inside to be what God wants us to be. After we have that, the proper seed and the pliable soul, then, then we can have the pursuit of God. Looked at the text, it says, for it is time to seek the Lord. If there was ever a time America needs to seek the Lord, it's now. Soon it's going to be too late for this nation. God did not promise America's going to last forever. We don't have a guarantee there's going to be a 2023 in America. Things are looking pretty bleak. In Isaiah 45, 19, it says, I have not spoken in secret in the dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. Ah, the Lord speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. You want to know what's right and wrong? God tells us in the Word. Now, when it comes to salvation, it is impossible for us to save ourselves. God would never ask us to do the impossible. So God is not telling Israel to make themselves the unconditional covenant people of God. They were already the unconditional covenant people of God. He was telling them, turn back to me and pursue me rather than these idols and stop following the Gomer design of life. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Go to the context of Hosea, the people are sold to seek the Lord, return to the Lord, follow after the Lord. And the verb used for seek means seek with care. Let this be the most important thing in your life, the most important desire of your heart. God has not changed. His word has not changed. So seek God's way carefully. Be diligent in this. Be thorough in it. And notice it is not to have a cavalier spirit. This is not multiple choice. But I have some things in my life I've tried to change and I can't. It's just my nature. It's the way I was wired. Oh, really? So God made you that way? Are we going to blame God for our sin? Or are we going to seek the Lord? James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. So if anyone is a hearer of the word and, does, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he's talking about in the word, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Look at that last phrase again. This one will be blessed in what he does. Sometimes I think we interpret this as, my life is going to go well. I'm not going to have any problems. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. Look at it again in what he does. What is he doing in that passage of Scripture? What is he attempting to do? He's going to be successful in what he's doing. He's going to be blessed in what is he doing. What is he doing? He's seeking the way of God. He is examining his life by the Word of God. And God says it doesn't mean life's going to be better, and the devil's going to get after you harder than he ever has before if he sees any fire breaking out in your life. But keep on doing this. Keep on seeking the Word of God, and God will bless you through His Word. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, if the signs we are seeing happen in our world today are harbingers of what soon is coming, then we need to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ. And since you and I do not know if we will be alive tomorrow, it is time to seek the Lord now. It is time to seek the Lord with your heart. Have you gotten over the possibility of revival? The day is the day of salvation. It's time. It's your time. It's my time. And time always indicates a limited amount of time. It's time for me and you to seek the revival of God's ways. It is time for us to open our heart to the Lord. We don't need to worry about who's not here. We have to worry about we're here. And what is God speaking to our heart? Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart, says in the rebellion. It is time to seek the Lord. And God has given you this time. Soon our time is going to be over. Nighttime is coming when no man can work. And the idea is keep on seeking the Lord. Tell me, church, if we do not seek the Lord, who will? Is Washington going to seek the Lord? No. Is the United Nations going to seek the Lord? No. If the church doesn't seek the Lord, who will? And if we don't pray for a revival, who will? Since there are two choices we can make in life and we know how to do wrong, why don't we try to do right? Israel could have changed her course, but she did not. What we seek is who we are, and who we seek is who we become. Galatians 6 8 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Are you tired of sinning? I'm looking, that's one, I think probably one of the most amazing things I'm looking forward to when we see Jesus and when we are in our glorified body. I'm looking forward to the day when I will never sin again. When I'll have a, never have another sinful thought in my heart. Haven't we had our way long enough? Isn't it time for us to say, Lord, have thine own way? In 1 Peter 4, 3, it says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Romans 6, 13 says, To do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You see, all sin is a choice to whom we yield. It is time for us to seek the Lord, and I think you agree. So we see the proper seed, the pliable soil, the pursuit of God, and now finally 
the provision of God. When we have sought the proper seed, when we have plied the soil to God and given ourselves to God humbly, that God would speak to us, Lord, speak to us, change us, bring us back to you. And when we have pursued after God from that, Lord, come fill our land. Our soul is soft. Our heart is soft to you. Come and fill us again. And finally, we find what happens. The provision of God. The text says, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. (laughs) Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Oh, when revival hits the church, the people get excited again. There's a movement of God among them. They cannot believe it. And maybe a cold chill runs up and down your spine. The very feeling, the presence of God in that place. They said their mouths were filled with laughter. They, They were so excited again. How long are we to seek the Lord? How long are we to try, continue for revival? And this revival doesn't end on Wednesday. It can continue for, will we continue with it for months and years? How long should we continue with this? How long do we try this when our numbers get smaller and smaller? What should we do? Should we give up? Should we quit? No. The text says, do it until he comes. Do it until revival comes. Don't give up. Don't quit. About eight weeks ago, we started seeking revival on Wednesday nights at our church. And we pray for revival. And we'll continue to pray for revival until God comes. We're praying for God to do a movement to touch our hearts. And what we see in this phrase is the farmer has plowed up the land. He sowed the seed and now he's waiting on the Lord. The Lord himself would do the rest. God would send the early and latter rain on the crops. And the seed would come to life and produce a harvest. The farmer was always dependent on the latter rain. Can a farmer reap a harvest without the Lord? Some may think so, but the answer is no. Till he comes. Revival is God's business, not ours. It's God's timing, not ours. We do not have our one-minute repentance. We must seek the Lord and wait on Him and desire Him like nothing else. You know, that's what fasting was all about. It was about desiring God so much. You know when you get really hungry? You get that headache or you get that stomach feeling. You just kind of have something to eat. You're about to starve. Or maybe you've been working all day. Like when we, sometimes when we're cutting grass on Friday with this grass cutting company on Shinkatig, you get so dry, you cannot drink enough water. The water's just pouring out of you as fast as it goes in. You just got to have something else to drink or something to eat. Well, God tells us we are to fast and seek his face. And in that fasting is saying, Lord, we hunger for you like food. We need you like water. Lord, we hunger and want you so much. Oh God, come and touch our hearts. Now I know some farmers today have artificial rain, irrigation. But tell me, where does the farmer get that water to produce the irrigation? (laughs) It still comes from God. Crops will always be dependent on God. We need the rain of righteousness today. We need a return to righteous living. And the church is being chipped away by Satan. And it's becoming desolate in many places. And what happens, we do not seek righteousness. The devil sows tares among the wheat. And the church is diluted. And some churches are even changing doctrine. What? To suit fallen ground. We can't go there anymore. They won't let us say that anymore. Who won't let us say it anymore? It's follow ground. And we're becoming follow ground as a church because we say, oh, shh, 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 we can't talk about it. We may upset somebody if we say that. They may kick us off YouTube. Really? But how's that going to work out, church, when it comes to God? Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked man does, not de- does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And as believers, we need to stay at this leaning on Jesus till he comes. Oh, and when God comes, he will pour out a blessing on us we cannot contain. Mm. 
When you were saved, you received the Spirit of God. But how has your life been since that saving? Do you need a latter rain? Do you need a fresh touch of God on your life? How about your follow ground? Will, the, will you surrender it to the Spirit of God to run that Hebrews 4.12 plow through the middle of your life? See, feeding on righteousness will fill your soul. If you're a Christian, you'll starve to death without righteousness. We grow by righteousness. Till he comes means persistence. Keep on seeking the righteousness of God. Keep on depending on the mercy of God. Keep on plowing up that fallow ground. Keep on seeking the Lord. And we know we're working to an end. And what's that end? It tells us in the text, the coming of the king with righteousness in his wings. Did you know that God's going to win? Did you know that righteousness is going to overcome all darkness in the world? Did you know Satan's going to be locked up one day? And all the demons that have tormented this earth? Did you know that God is righteousness and Jesus as the righteous king is going to rule over all the nations of the earth for a thousand years? And what does God promise when we sow the gospel? 1 Corinthians 3, 6, 7, I planted Apollo water, but God gives the increase. So that neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Who sends the latter rain? It's God. And there's an urgency to revival. It's time means now. It is like going to the doctor and he tells you, you've got three blocked arteries, 100%. We have to do surgery now. You can't even go back home. You need to stay in the hospital. We need to set you up in the operating room tomorrow. You're a ticking time bomb. You can die any second. Something has got to be done now. How does our heart become compacted when we hear the Word of God? but we don't do anything with it. At the end of every service, we have what's called an invitation. It's a time to do something with what God has told us tonight. So what about the rest of the story in Hebrews chapter 10? What happened to Israel? Did Israel sow righteousness? Did she plow up the follow ground? Did she, did she pursue after God? What happened? Well, let's look a little further in the text and we'll see what happened. Verses 13 to 14. What did God say about Israel? You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your, in your own way. In the multitude of your mighty men, therefore tumult shall arise among your people. And all your fortresses shall be plundered. A shaman plundered Beth Arbel in the day of battle. A mother dashed in pieces upon her children. We have heard the word of God tonight. What are we going to do? Hosea 10.12 Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord. Till He comes. How long are we going to stick with revival? Till he comes and reigns righteousness on this church, on this body of believers, on this community of Mifflinburg. Will we stick with it? Will we stay with it? We need the proper seed, the pliable soul, the pursuit of God, and the provision of God. Father, tonight we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us individually. Those that are born-again believers in this room, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, we know how our heart is with you. We may be able to hide from one another. We may be able to smile it off and pretend everything's okay or, or even act as if it's not important. But Lord, when it comes to you, we can't hide. And Lord, we know that there are things in our life perhaps that are not what you, they should be, Lord. Maybe we haven't been involved in even thinking about reading the Bible through or studying the Word of God at all. Maybe we just come and listen to what somebody else tells us, but we don't do any personal study. Father, I pray you would help us, Lord, to realize we're never going to be any different than we are if we don't sow righteousness in our hearts. And Father, help us to remember when we read the Word of God, we need to chew on it. We need to regurgitate it. What did God say to me? What is He teaching me? What promise has He given me? What prohibition has He given me? What, what hope has He given me through this Word? What direction has He given my life? 
And oh, Father, help us to allow that area 51 of our life to be touched by the Word of God. Not to be the hands-off acres that we keep in the back 40 that nobody messes with, not even God. Oh, Lord, help us to pursue You. Because, Lord, as You told us in Your Word, if we seek, we will find. And, Lord, You will open up to us a relationship with You that's even stronger than we've ever had before. Father, we need revival. You know that. We don't have to tell You that. You see the condition of the church in America today. Father, come and speak to our heart. Help us to pursue You, Lord God, with our life. If we're going to do anything, help it to be the pursuit of You. And Lord, help us to realize that it's not going to happen overnight. We need to persistently seek after You till You come. Or until the day we hear You call us from this body and take our soul away to be with You. Lord Jesus, send revival. Send the latter rain, O God. We're desperate as we've ever been before for it. But Lord, are we desperate enough? Help us, Lord God, to seek Your face tonight. And all those that know You as Lord and Savior, Father, may we, when we leave here tonight, chew over these words. See if these things are true. Not just believe what the speaker has said, but is this what the Bible teaches? And Father, if there's someone here that's never trusted You as Lord and Savior, we pray, O oh God, that the Word troubled them perhaps, and maybe they're kind of mis- uncomfortable feeling right now, that they're not sure that they're right with You. Oh God, I pray tonight they would understand the only reason they feel that way is the Holy Spirit has led them to understand that. That You're speaking to their heart. And You want them to make it right tonight, not waiting until tomorrow, not waiting until a more convenient time. Lord, I pray You'd give them the courage to seek Your face tonight, even where they sit in their seat tonight, Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, with that where they're sitting, they would simply call out to You, O oh Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm not perfect. And Lord, You know that to be true. And I realize because I'm not perfect, the wages of sin is death, which is more than just physical death. But I believe that Jesus is Your Son, fully God and fully man. And the reason He came 2,000 years ago because He knew I was going to be alive today. And He knew that I was going to need forgiveness. And He got on that cross for me And they nailed Him to that cross. And He bled to death on that cross. And He gave His life ultimately by because He on the cross said, He said it's time. He's the one that determined when He laid down His life for us. No one took it from Him. But He willingly died a, a horrible death naked before the world on that cross. And Lord Jesus, as You died and were buried on the third day, You promised us even before You went to that cross, You were going to rise again on the third day. Lord Jesus, I believe You died for my sins. I believe You rose again to prove everything You said was true. You are the Savior. And You can save me from death. You can save me from my sins. And You can give me eternal life. Come into my life right now, Lord, and save me. Father, I pray for any that have made that decision tonight. Perhaps, Lord, I pray, Lord, give them the courage to remember, Lord, that every person you called, you called publicly to make a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. To let someone know, I'd ask Jesus in my life tonight. And Lord, as the pastor will be here, Lord, and, uh, and other believers that are here, if there's someone that needs to know Jesus tonight, Lord, in this moment of quiet we have, Lord, would you touch their heart? But Lord, I pray also you would just bring a, a hunger for revival to the hearts of the believers. Enough is enough. Lord, we need you. And without you, we'll die. And we'll dry up and the doors of this church will eventually close. Father, we pray that your grace would speak to us tonight and draw us back to realizing why we came tonight. Because we wanted to hear from God. And Lord, all glory and honor goes to you for whatever's accomplished in this moment of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Wayne.
Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Breaking up unplowed ground. As you spoke and I wrote down some things, I just kind of kept coming back to that. God, what do you want to break up in my heart? In my uh, God wants to break up those things inside of us that keep us from fully following and understanding and hearing His voice. God calls us to break ground. Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Would you stand, please? Let's pray, God, we, we lift our ground. Lord, uh, when it's hard, when it's been contaminated, when there are thorns that are there, God, when there's things in our hearts and our lives that keep us from responding to Your Spirit with a freedom of Your Word and Your truth, God, I pray that there would be a desperation among us to break that up. God, we are desperate for revival. We're desperate for renewal. We're desperate to feel that fresh inflow of Your Holy Spirit in and through us, through our thinking, through our attitudes, through our relationships, through God, our influence, through every part of our lives, God. I pray that we would we would allow You to break up those grounds, break up that hard ground, and sow Your righteousness, Lord, I pray. God, as we grieve about the pain in our world and we grieve about the hardness out there, God, help our hearts to be totally tender and responsive to You, Lord, I pray. I pray tonight that there would be such a hunger here in this church and among these people, God, that, that we are crying out for You to break up anything that would keep of God, I pray. Oh God, tonight, we thank You for Your truth. We thank You for Hosea. I thank You for Isaiah last night and, and the words of the great prophets, God. Help us to be hungry for You. Help us not to be satisfied with the status quo, not to be satisfied with the past, God, but whatever You want to do in us and in our hearts and in our spirits that we're hungry for that tonight, I pray. Thank You for Your Spirit. Thank You for being here. God, may we respond to You and whatever You call us, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank You so much for being here tonight. God bless. Lord willing, we'll see You tomorrow night if You're able to. Blessings.